Welcome to the Dreadcast. I'm Donovan Dread. In this episode, we're going to hear stories from six different people describing their very odd and strange encounters with the supernatural. But before we get into the stories, check out dreadsarmy.com for daily news of the strange and weird. Now here's the stories. Hi, Donovan. Let me first start off by saying I really enjoy the show. And thanks for posting content on a regular basis. I became fascinated with cryptids after my 2018 encounter. Well, I should say a sighting rather than an encounter. This took place when I was on-site working for one of our clients. I'm a safety consultant, and one of my clients is a power company that has about 30 wind turbines in western Pennsylvania. I was doing a safety inspection on the FAA lighting on top of the wind turbine. We go up at least once a quarter to do routine inspections. The first few times I had to do these inspections were a little freaky because sometimes I have to crawl through this 18-inch hatch on the nose of the turbine. Now getting up one of these wind turbines is quite the task, unless you're going up one with an elevator. Most of them have sections of ladders where you have to climb up 300 feet to the top. The first time I climbed, my arms were just dead. We do have some people who can climb in four minutes, and I've even seen one guy take six hours to get to the top, and three hours to get down. However, he was pushing about 400 pounds. Anyway, so I'm up there doing an inspection with another employee at our safety firm. We always go up in pairs to make sure we're tied off properly, and most tasks just require two people. We're looking around for a bit, just taking in the view before we begin our inspection, because it took us 35 minutes to get to the top. It's a gorgeous view from the top. It's like being on top of a building and looking out over a city. However, the turbine is in the middle of a field and is surrounded by woods on all sides. There are trees everywhere, as well as brush and grass. We were 300 feet up in the air, so you can imagine the view was breathtaking. Everything, of course, looks a lot smaller from up there, but my coworker also brought a small set of binoculars with him. When I looked over to the east, I saw what appeared to be this really large animal in a clearing just outside of the woods. It's hard to tell, but it looked like it was laying down. I couldn't make out any other details other than the fact that it was very large. It looked like this brownish-gray color, and it just blended in with the grass and brush around it. I asked my coworker if I could use his binoculars and he handed them to me. I tried looking for a few minutes, but it just blended in with the landscape. Then I saw it stand up. It was standing up and walking on two legs. It looked like a very large bear with an ape-like face, almost human and really broad shoulders. It was walking around picking berries and eating them. I'm standing there watching this creature then I say, holy hell, I think that is a Sasquatch. My coworker immediately grabs the binoculars from me and says, give those to me. Let me see what you're looking at. The next words out of his mouth were, holy crap, dude, you're right. What is it doing here? I said, I have no idea. We were up there for another 20 minutes looking at this thing before we finally had to get our safety inspections done. When we finished our inspections, we looked again, but it must have left because we couldn't find it anywhere. After we climbed down, we talked with one of the workers at the power company about what we saw, and he said, oh, you saw Harry too? 
I was like, what? Harry? He said, yeah, we call him Harry. We see him quite often when we do maintenance up there. There's about six of us who tried to go out and locate him on the ground several times, but we never find him. He's got to be super aware of his surroundings because he is never seen on the ground. I got to be part of a hiking expedition that occurred out in the Rockies. And in a very swift moment, I had been turned around and separated from the other hikers. This is a hiker's worst nightmare. I was very inexperienced at the time. I found myself in a landscape that was not consistent with what I knew about the Rocky Mountains. The ground turned coarse and full of rubble. Plants seemed practically non-existent. And a thick mist was rising, cutting me off from getting my bearings. Worse yet, I couldn't hear the group at all. Several times I tried screaming at the top of my lungs, just to see if I could get anybody to answer me. There was nothing. Nothing but the faintest sound around me. In fact, sometimes it seemed like nature itself was silent, shushing me to stay silent with it. The first sign that things were not right was the article of clothing I found. I came across a pink denim cap of one of the people that had been hiking in my group. I didn't remember the girl's name, but I distinctively remember that faded pink cap for some reason. I am one of those people that can remember far more details than I can a person's name. But that's just how it is. I picked that up with the intention of eventually returning it to her. I dared to take the sight of the hat as a sign of hope. Perhaps I was near them after all. But how could she have dropped the hat and not realized? It didn't really make sense. The hope was short-lived. When I came across a backpack that had also belonged to someone in my group, but I couldn't place who it was. I continued through the thickening fog with a distinct feeling that I was going in circles. My rations and supplies were very limited. If this continued, I would have no choice but to perish out here all alone. I came across another possession of one of my trackmates. This time, there was a new level of bad news. It was a bandana that I remember seeing on one of the guys with spiked hair. It was stained with something dark and red, and I knew what that was. I just didn't want to admit it. I couldn't fathom my brain going there. It was at that point that I began to feel panic stalking me from a distance. My first thought was that robbers had come upon my group. Or maybe not robbers, but modern-day bandits. I don't know. Something had clearly happened to them. I hadn't heard any noise that would suggest a big bear or big cat attack. No screaming, no crying, nothing. I even looked in the dirt. There didn't seem to be any signs of a struggle. It's as if their clothing had just fallen. So I quickened my pace, with the visibility reducing by the minute. And the things I could see were things that I didn't want to. I came across a pair of shattered glasses that were all too similar to the pair worn by the Asian girl in my group. Then there was the torn sports bra that was also bloodstained. One article after another that I could recognize as being from my group emerged out of the fog as I pressed onward, and my own sanity was beginning to teeter, so I broke into a light jog. Even though the ground and the visibility was treacherous, the path began to lower with the unusual rocky ground rising on either side of me. 
Then, just like that, the trail went into a small cave. Small enough that if I wanted to get inside, I would have had to stoop down. Something inside me wanted to turn and run, but my curiosity overrode my primal caution. So I struck up my lighter and reached into the cave. What came next, I remember only in parts, because my mind evidently was closer to breaking than I had realized at that time. The halo of the flame showed nothing but rock at first, but then a pair of eyes had turned to me from somewhere at the edge of the light's influence, and then another, and more. Then the light showed me towering furry bodies that were hunched at the back as if they were all used to a life of crouching and hiding. I hate to tell you this part because it's going to sound like I'm crazy, but I can only tell you exactly what they resembled. And what they resembled were werewolves. That's the worst word to use with the complete overexposure that this thing has gotten. But honestly, there's no other word to describe what animal I saw. Their teeth extended well past their lips. And I can tell you that they had long ears that looked like horns almost. Their mouths were busy chewing and gnashing something. I could hear the sounds of ripping and tearing. It was meat. They were eating on something that I couldn't see. I immediately worked my way out, and they didn't give chase. I'll never know why. Maybe there's a reason they didn't get to me. I'll never know. After climbing my way out, luckily I eventually found a trail, even though I was completely and utterly traumatized. I ended up contacting the authorities, and they did a very thorough investigation and did a search of the area, but didn't uncover anything, which is surprising. I told them about the bloody clothes and all the belongings they had left behind, that they were attacked by large unknown predators. They didn't really seem to take my story seriously. In fact, I was even a suspect in a potential murder since they disappeared, but nothing they found was conclusive. I even told them there was a cave where these beasts lived in. I understand this story is sounding more and more crazy as I go on, but this is my experience that I have to live with, forever, for the rest of my life. I don't get to just shut it off. And then, of course, after all of that, I have the trauma of dealing with being a potential suspect in their disappearance, which didn't result in anything because, like I said, they couldn't find anything conclusive that led to me. Anyway... They're all gone now. This was almost nine years ago, and I still have to live with that pain. And I've only told a handful of people, in hopes that somebody can give me reassurance that things will be okay, and that I'll be able to get through this. The story I'm about to tell you happened to me about ten years ago when we first moved into our house. We live in the countryside in a small, remote neighborhood. I have a job in the city, so it takes about an hour to commute to work, but I never minded it. I liked the idea of having some privacy to think and play any music I wanted. I also wanted my kids to grow up around clean, fresh air, so the drive was worth it. I typically would leave work late at night when it was already getting dark. I'm a realtor, so usually after a day of showing houses, I have some paperwork to finish. Sometimes this means that I'm not heading home until 9 or 10 at night. The road I take to get home is really rural. It has no streetlights and it's surrounded by forest on both sides. 
I always had to rely on my headlights to help guide me. One night, I was on my way home when off in the distance I could make out a group of elk running across the street. They were plentiful in this part of Pennsylvania and not unusual to see them in the woods. But this time, as I got closer to the spot where the elk had passed, something huge ran in front of my car, so fast that I barely got a look at it. It looked like it might have been a bear, but moved faster than any bear that I've seen. The movement made me jump in my seat, turning my steering wheel and swerving the car into the ditch in the side of the road. My head jolted forward on impact and hit the steering wheel. The windshield had cracked from the impact, and I lifted my hand to check out my head and felt blood running down the side of my face, but I felt I was okay for the most part. I lifted my head to look in the rearview mirror to check out my face, and that's when I saw it, standing behind the car in the middle of the road. The body was sort of like a man, but it was covered in hair. This dark brown hair, but it had the face of an ape. It was huge, and with me being down in the ditch, it loomed over the car in the moonlight. The creature took a few steps towards the car, then stopped as if it heard something in the woods. It lifted its head and sniffed the air, and then it took off in the direction of the elk. I got out of my car and looked around. I wasn't sure what I had seen. This thing was very muscular, and it didn't make a sound until I heard the screams followed by a powerful yelping noise. On this section of the road, I didn't have any signal on my cell phone. I wasn't exactly sure how to explain what I had just seen when I got home. The ditch was deep and muddy, which made it difficult for the tires to pull out. After trying for a bit, I got out of the car and realized it just wasn't happening. I had just dug myself deeper in the mud trying to get out. I waited around for a while to see if a car might drive by. But when none came, I decided to walk home, thinking that in the morning I would call a tow truck. I was only about five miles from home, which in the car might be around ten minutes, but I still had an hour of walking at least. While I was grabbing some stuff from the car, I looked behind me in the direction the animals ran. It's not like I was going to follow them, but for a brief moment, it looked like something was staring at me from the brush. I took a deep breath and focused on making my way home, praying that a car might come along this backcountry road to give me a ride back. Thankfully, I had brought a flashlight with me, so I was able to use that. I hadn't gotten far when I heard rustling and saw movement in the bushes along the side of the road. I shined my light in that direction, but the movement stopped. Now I started to get spooked and sped up my pace. It wasn't long until I started to hear the bushes move again. Then, out of nowhere, I heard a scream. But before I could look and turn in that direction, an elk ran past, within inches of me, almost knocking me to the ground. I started to run as fast as I could. I heard this yelping sound behind me, and at the same time, I saw headlights approaching. I flagged down the oncoming car to ask the driver if I could get a ride in the direction of my house. The man, who looked to be in his 60s, said that it wouldn't be a problem. He said that he was headed in that direction anyway. And then he asked me what I was doing out here this late at night. I explained to him what had happened, that I swerved to avoid hitting an animal with my car, and I ended up in the ditch. He seemed interested and started asking me questions about the animal. I was hesitant at first, but then I decided to explain exactly what I saw. 
a big, hairy, ape-like animal standing upright that let out this high-pitched scream that sounded like a human. The man listened quietly. I thought for sure he thought I was drunk or something. I eventually got dropped off at my house and was able to pick up my car the next day. When they towed my car, they said the front driver's side window was completely smashed in and the entire car smelt horrible. Hi Donovan, I love the show and I just wanted to say thanks in advance for reading my story. It's not actually my story, it's my grandfather's. My grandfather told me this story before he passed away. This happened when he was in Vietnam. He was a soldier in the Vietnam War and was stationed at an outpost somewhere in the Central Highlands. He said that he was on guard duty at an outpost that had a fence around it in the middle of the jungle. He had to keep guard during the night. The Viet Cong carried little with them and they moved pretty quickly. They stayed hidden during the day and came out at night to sneak in the villages, catch American soldiers in ambushes and other missions. The Viet Cong used to dress like farmers. American soldiers didn't know who was a farmer and who was a farmer fighting for the Viet Cong. He fought on the ground in Vietnam, which was different from what U.S. soldiers had done before. There were no front lines in Vietnam. The war was everywhere. A peasant who seems harmless could be a guerrilla. A pretty prostitute could be a secret agent. And the kid who brought the laundry could be a spy. Flooded rice fields hid spikes. The jungles were full of booby traps. And the enemy could easily attack barracks. He told me that they had this steel container at their outpost that was dropped off by helicopter shortly after they set up the outpost. It was a 12 by 12 by 12 steel cube, basically. This was a small outpost, so there was less than a dozen men there. Nothing that could withstand an attack from a larger group of VCs. They weren't told much about what was in that steel container when it was dropped off but his commander said it's our secret weapon. That's all he really said. He thought it was some type of weapon or a bomb at the time, and it ended up being a very destructive weapon. However, I'll get to that in a minute. A few days goes by and he's doing night watch on their guard tower when he notices some movement on the jungle floor. He can pick up someone talking in Vietnamese, in radios to the soldiers on the ground that they have company about 50 to 75 yards to their east. From what he can tell, there's at least two dozen men, and they are outnumbered easily two to one. He receives radio confirmation from one of the soldiers on the ground, and 30 seconds later he hears the commander give instructions to the ground team to open the vault. What happened next, my grandfather had a first row seat to the carnage and mayhem that pursued. He said that the ground team opened up that steel container and something came out of it. He said it looked like a cross between a wolf, a man, and a hyena. It had dark brown hair all over its body in this long snout. The thing had arms like a man, but they were longer than normal. It had very broad shoulders and it was muscular, almost like a gorilla. It walked out on all fours, then it stood up on its hind legs, which had to put it at at least seven feet tall. And it jumped from the ground over a 12-foot fence with ease. It blended in so well with the terrain as it moved through the jungle floor. 
My grandfather said he was up in his post watching this all unfold with his night vision on. This thing sniffs in the air like it was getting a read on where all of these men were at. Once done, it gets on all fours and swiftly and quickly started moving towards the enemy soldiers. Everything went dead silent. No more talking. No more movement that you could audibly hear. It's like someone just froze the jungle in that moment of time. No bug sounds or animals. The next thing he hears is this ungodly sounding screaming howling noise and the sound of people screaming in pain. The creature started tearing through the soldiers on the ground, killing them easily with its massive hands and jaws. My grandfather said he could hear screams coming from the men on the ground as this creature killed them one by one effortlessly. Gunfire was going off randomly and even a few grenades went off. After about 10 minutes of this carnage, this thing heads back to the outpost, jumps over the fence, and goes back into the vault. This creature had this thick metal collar on it like it was being summoned back to its vault. My grandfather said that the collar was flashing red as it went back into the vault. The commander gets on the radio and tells the ground team to lock up the vault. About 30 minutes later, a helicopter comes flying over and airlifts the vault out of there. The next day, they venture out into the jungle outside of the outpost and collect the weapons of all those dead soldiers. He said they were torn apart and some looked like they went through a shredding machine. There were a few men in that outpost that knew what was going on, but he didn't. It was like they were testing this creature out there. After all, it was the perfect place to do it, as that war was fought in the jungle. He told me that he never found out what it was, but he referred to it as the demon wolf. I asked him if he thought maybe it was some type of mutant animal, but he told me that he believed with everything in him that it was some sort of government-created creature designed to be a killing machine. My grandfather told me this story before he passed away last year at age 76 years old. Thanks again for reading my story. I spent a lot of time in upstate New York. There are a ton of people that I've gotten to know there, and they've led me to so many out-of-the-way places that I wouldn't have known otherwise. I've spent time on farms and lakeside cabins. I've slept in a commune with my hippie friends. I had thought I had seen it all, but nothing prepared me for what was coming. One year, a little before Halloween, a friend invited me to escape the city for a week to avoid the craziness of the season and clear my head. I was all about it. She told me that instead of staying with her on the commune, we would be heading into the woods and camping out with nothing but tents and the stars. I remember my mother complaining about me being out in the wilderness, what she called being with the wildlife, but I figured that she just didn't understand. People from the city think there are wolves and mountain lions and bears everywhere when you walk into the woods. I just packed my bag and told my mother goodbye, explaining that I have been to so many places before. This would just be another interesting experience. I wasn't the only person my friend invited, which helped. The more people, the less likely wildlife would bother us. And they say that animals are more afraid of you than you are of them. 
I just wanted to enjoy my time away without feeling neurotic. Being in a group of 10 instead of 2 would help ensure that coyotes wouldn't just walk up to us. As the first night of the trip got going, there was a guitar playing and dancing. People were gathered around the fire. Some were inebriated and some weren't. I personally had a few drinks, but nothing crazy. The fire began to die down around midnight, and all the tents in our little clearing between the trees began to fill up with tired hippies. I was getting ready to follow everyone to bed, but I had the urge to take advantage of the quiet time to sit alone by the dying fire and enjoy the breeze that passed through. Everyone said goodnight as they walked by. Shortly after, I heard rustling in the trees. I didn't think much of it. I figured it was someone who had wandered back from the woods. But when the rustling stopped and no one emerged, I took my last sip of my drink and set it down. I looked towards the spot where the rustling was coming from, and still no one. That's when I noticed these two red dots a little ways into the trees. They were lined up like eyes, but I had never in all of my travels seen any animals or people with eyes like that. I wanted to get a closer look. I took a few steps towards the trees. The clearing was coming to an end, and the shadows of the trees started covering me. This only made the red dots glow brighter. I looked up at the sky for a moment. There was not much light coming down because the moon was waning. When I looked back down to the trees, those eyes were gone. I stood still for a moment. Maybe I was seeing things. I didn't usually drink, so I started blaming it on the alcohol. Suddenly, I heard more rustling behind me. I heard heavy breathing coming from behind me too, and then I felt something warm and wet drip onto my neck down the back of my shirt. I froze and I didn't dare turn around. I stood there paralyzed for a few seconds. It looked like whatever was behind me was almost as tall as the tree next to me. I couldn't make out much from the shadow because of how dark it was, but I could hear it from its breathing and it didn't sound human. I thought maybe it was a bear, but I figured that a bear would not have stayed silent and would have mauled me by now. Something was very different about this creature. I heard grunting and saw from the shadow that it was moving slowly. Then I heard it walk away, its footsteps heavy on the ground. I was still paralyzed by fear, but I wanted to know what it was and why it spared me. Surely bears and mountain lions would just attack. Slowly, I turned my body in the direction of the footsteps. What I saw, I could never unsee. There was this large creature. It had to be at least eight foot tall, walking across this clearing. It looked like an extremely large ape. I could make out that it had this very dark fur in the dim light of the embers from the fire. I could also see that it was very muscular. It looked like a huge, hairy bodybuilder. I stood there in awe as it walked by the tents, ignoring the people inside. But since it was walking away, I never got to see its face. There was one point as I turned my body completely around that it seemed to stop. Its hearing must have been fine-tuned. I stopped moving too. I didn't even breathe. I watched this thing as it started walking into the woods. The trees and bushes around it were rustling again. After a minute, I let myself breathe again. 
When it disappeared, I ran into my tent and I began sharing with my friend what I just saw. They told me it was probably a bear, but I know it wasn't a bear. I was sure I saw those eyes a few more times on that trip, but I never saw that creature again. It's strange how when I tell people what I saw, they usually fire back with an explanation. Well, it was probably this, or I think it might have been that. They all do it. They all have a suggestion of what I might have seen or what I probably saw. They never let themselves consider what I saw might actually be what I saw. It makes me laugh because they say it quickly too. Like no sooner have I said the words and they fire back with one of their theories. It's like a reflex action that they just can't help. Like their brains say, no, this challenges what we know. This can't be true and those things aren't real. I did see what I saw. I saw it as plainly as I see my hand before my face. It was solid. It was there and it was real and no attempt to explain it away is going to convince me otherwise. I had been at the fairground. They set up the rides and booths on Markham's fields about twice a year. You always know it's coming because you'll see the usual flyers plastered all over town. Anyway, I always love these local fairs and particularly the rides. I don't know about you, but there's something about the fact that a ride wasn't there a week ago and that it's been unloaded from the back of someone's truck and put together with a screwdriver and a monkey wrench that makes them 10 times scarier than the rides you get at Six Flags or Disneyland. It gives them that added element of danger that in addition to the speed and the movement of the rides, they might not have been put together all that well. Of course, you rarely hear of anyone actually being hurt on these rides. Otherwise, they'd be shut down. And I'm sure there's all kinds of safety checks. But still, the impromptuness of the entire thing gives it that added element of danger. So last June, a few friends and I headed down to the fair. After a lot of needling, we managed to convince Donna, who hates these kind of rides, to go on the Kraken. The Kraken is a huge eight-arm contraption. You sit in one carriage with four other people. The ride has eight total carriages, each at the end of one of the mechanical arms, and they all get lifted into the air. The entire contraption spins, and the carriages themselves spin too. There were four of us, and only three spaces in one of the carriages. I let Donna and the others get into that one, and I got into one by myself. Partly pleased because the carriages with less weight tend to spin faster and give you a better ride. We waved to each other and set off. Once the ride started though, and just as we were being lifted into the air, I happened to glance towards the tree line and that's when I saw it. It was standing, hunched against one of the trees and watching the crowd. I'd seen nature documentaries where you see wolves and lions standing on the edge of the brush using trees as camouflage, and they eye up their prey. This was the same thing. This thing just wasn't watching out of curiosity. It was panning, selecting, and weighing up its next move. It was bigger than any man or ape that I had ever seen. Judging by the size of the trees, I would probably say it's somewhere between six to eight feet tall. It was standing up on its hind legs like a person, 
with this sort of backward lean as if the hips were different from ours. From the glimpses that I got, it seemed to be hunched and it wasn't a person. I think the best way I could describe it, it would be a cross between a dog and a man or the kind of creature you'd see in some horror films, as if the head of some massive wolf had just been put onto the shoulders of a man. It was covered from head to toe in matted brown hair. But you could tell from the way it was built that it was a powerful animal, and if it wanted to leap out and grab someone, it could. I screamed, but of course so was everyone else, because of the ride. I pointed frantically at the trees trying to get someone's attention, to warn them that this thing was there. But as the ride kicked into gear, I got spun around and my view was altered. Soon enough, I was facing away from the tree line, trying my best against the G-force to turn in my seat, to look back over my shoulder and see it again. All I saw were quick flashes of it, tiny snatched glimpses. By the time the ride finished, the creature was gone. I kept scanning the trees to try and see it again and to show it to the others. I tried to explain to them how it looked, how it had a canine head, a muscular body, sharp, piercing, intelligent eyes. And all I got back was a quick-fire explanations as to what they thought it could have been. I saw what I saw. Sometimes, when I'm all alone at night, I still see it. I can't seem to get it out of my head. It's something that shouldn't exist, but it does.